going to be a weighty topic this morning. I guess the hint is that I'm supposed to use this during uh, during my sermon. That might get annoying. <laughs> Help us all. I got a bandana up here. How many saw my McDonald's bandana on Facebook? Come on. Hashtag swag. <laughs> if you ordered Uber Eats, how many of you follow Trey Kennedy on Instagram? That's right. Only one of you. That's okay. You all except one, are missing out. <laughs> but he, like, sponsors posts for McDonald's. And my wife's like, you got to order McDonald's from Uber Eats today, and they're giving out swag for free. So I think there were literally three orders for Uber Eats McDonald's that came to the Robinson household that day because the swag was a complete surprise. You could order anything, uh, but then when they came to the door, I was, like, looking for a big bag because then that means it's a T-shirt, a little bag that means it's a handkerchief. So the T-shirt ended up being a small and as you can all see, uh, that's not going to really work for me. <laughs> so Rainy got the t-shirt, I got the bandana, and I thought I would share some love with you uh, on uh, the social media outlets. Uh, so today's research topic, um, man, there's no other way of getting around it. It's on death. <laughs> how how uh, many of you have struggled with the concept of death? Anybody? Only two of you. Okay, there's more and more. You've struggled with the concept of death. It's a, it's a tough topic. It's a tough concept sometimes to wrap our head, head around. Uh, because we think that that's the end. We think that it's uh, final. And, and you have uh, Hollywood and, and movies and everything gearing us towards the idea that we're to avoid one thing. And what's that? Death. Avoid death at all costs, right? I mean, the whole movie is built around the main character what? Huh? Talk to me. Not dying. That's it. The whole, the whole concept of a movie that makes it good is when the main character lives. But when the main character dies, wah, 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 trilogy over, uh, hopefully he had a son or something to carry this legacy on, right? But the whole movie, Schaefer's How Was Vacation, was it good? Good. But the, uh, the, the whole point is to stay alive. And, and we, we carry that into our spiritual lives. But I wanted to bring some spiritual weight this morning to this topic of death. Um, maybe some uh, insight that you've never had towards this uh, that will be helpful for you. Uh, and maybe allow you to frame death in a bit of a different way. How many of you know that you frame death in a negative way? You just know that automatically. I'm framing death. When I think of death, it's going to be in uh, you know a, a way that is completely negative. I want to avoid it at all cost. And and as far as that's concerned, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to stay alive. Everything I can to survive. Uh, if that's you this morning, in one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. I would say, but in a spiritual sense. If you're not careful, those feelings can hold you hostage. Those feelings will literally put a, uh, a hostage situation. I think I uh, swallowed a mustache hair. It happened. No. Trying to keep you, trying to keep you on your toes. Uh, <laughs> hocked up a hairball. Uh, no, just kidding. Listen, folks, you can't take me too seriously today. I'm up here with a stuffed animal and a, and a boat, you know. But those feelings will hold you hostage. Here's a for instance, right? Our children. We can, use these, uh, we can use these examples to really bring us to the extremes. When I think about my children, my worst fear 
is losing one of them. Worst fear. And, and, you know, without exception, we think like, oh my goodness, if that ever happened. We heard the story of Wednesday night. We were praying for two families that had lost children. One in a tragic car accident and one in a tragic fire. And we were just like, how in the world could we accept that? Why is it so hard to accept? Because it's hard to accept death. And then I would venture to say that many decisions that we make, as it pertains to life, are made to avoid death. Yes or no? Yeah. So what kind of living is that? I'm going to live in such a way that avoids death. Well, that's not living. That's trying to avoid the inevitable, right? How many of you know that it's inevitable that one day we're all going to croak? For the most part, unless Jesus comes back, right? And we'll get into that in another week. But most of the time, an average Christian says, well, I just think Jesus is going to come back. I just won't have to deal with that feeling because uh, he's going to come back before it's my time. Yeah, Christians have been saying that for the last 2,000 years, right? But he may tarry his coming, and we may pass on. So the point is, is how do we deal with this topic of death? So I wanted to bring some research to you, make a declaration of what I believe death is, and how we can view death as a Christian in such a way that it will not kill us, that it will not cripple our lives in our living, but it will give a new perspective. That's my goal today. Uh, can you listen fast? Can, can you, can you uh, absorb quickly? We're going to go to the declaration. I'm going to make a, a few statements here of what I believe about death, because I think it's important. There are false doctrines about death that exist in our culture today. Um, whether it be reincarnation. You know, whether people think that I'm going to die and I'm going to come back as fill in the blank, right? I want to come back as a stuffed animal. I don't know. I just thought about it because there's one right there. I want to come back as a German shepherd. Last night, uh, I got home kind of late, and uh, we put the kids to bed, and I like to, how many of you like rain? How many of you just like rain in general? There's a few of you out there. Millions of people download the app, Steve, to bring a rain sound in their room to help them sleep better. But when it rains, we complain about it instead of going outside and embracing it. It was like a Facebook ad this week. It came across calm, you know, and it was like that. <laughs> That's my rain sound. <laughs> but it was the, the rain sound and, and, you know, six million downloads. Why don't you try it? You know, but we sit there in our rooms and we play a rain noise to make us relax. But then we complain about the rain. I don't get it. Anyway, so... <laughs> So it was raining, coming down, and so I was like, I just love it. Now I have a front porch, so I can go outside and sit on the front porch and just listen to the rain. Well, the rain was blowing so hard that, you know, I'm basically soaked within seconds, right? But my dog likes to come out on the front porch with me, and she sits next to me. I have no idea why I'm telling the story, but anyway, it's a good story. So I'm sitting there, and I'm drinking coffee, because you have to drink coffee if you're outside watching and listening to the rain, and there's a fox literally walks around my neighbor's garage and is standing, they have like a white garage door, standing right there, right in the middle of Dundalk. Can you beat that? A fox. And uh, it's just like beady little eyes. And then, of course, I'm thinking like three, two, one, my dog sees the fox, right? (laughs) It was like instant hair standing up. And uh, anyway, then the, the, the fox like inches its way through the flower beds and around the car. I'm like, my goodness. But anyway, I had a good time sitting out uh, on the front porch last night watching foxes, of all things. 
How many of you did, knew that we had foxes in Dundalk? Man, I don't know. Anyway, uh, but it was, uh, it was a good time, good calming time. I don't remember what that had to do with anything. So here's my declaration on, on death. <laughs> we believe that physical death involves no loss of our spiritual consciousness. Some of you need to write this stuff. It's going to be in our Facebook group three weeks from now. But some of you need to write this down and claim this. Because this, the declaration that I'm going to make is going to bring some ease to your stress, to your anxiety, to your struggle. The Word of God is the answer for all of the world's problems, right? So what I'm going to tell you is backed up by Scripture. We believe that physical death involves no loss of our spiritual consciousness. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. That the soul of the redeemed passes immediately into the presence of Christ. Luke 23, 43. Philippians 1, 23. 2 Corinthians 5.9, to be absent from the body is to be present with the who? The Lord. That there is a separation, here it is, of soul and body, Philippians 1.21-24, and that for the redeemed, such a separation will be until the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4.13-17, which initiates the first resurrection, Revelation 20, when our soul and body will be reunited to be glorified forever, with our Lord. Until that time, the soul of the redeemed in Christ remain in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the bodily resurrection of all men, the saved to eternal life, and the unsaved to judgment and everlasting punishment. The souls of the unsaved at death are kept under punishment until the second resurrection. Many scriptures to back that. When the soul and the resurrected body will be reunited. They shall appear at the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, and shall be cast into hell, the lake of fire, Matthew 25, 41 through 46. Cut off from life uh, with God forever, Daniel 12, 2, Matthew 25, 41 through 46, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8. So in a nutshell, the declaration is this. When you die, you're going to be separated from your body and your soul. Your soul, who you are, your personality, as a person inside of your body, goes to be in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Your body goes into the what? Into the ground. And then there is a resurrection of the dead when Jesus comes back for his church, the rapture, which we alluded to a little bit on the study of the church. I'm going to talk more on it in the coming weeks in our research series. Next week, I'm specifically preaching on hell. And then we'll talk about in the week after how Jesus comes back and unites the saved, right? So we're going to break all this down in the future. But just for today, the topic of death means that when you die as a believer, your soul is held in the container of heaven. And then at some point when Jesus decides to come back, your body and your soul are reunited again. And the Bible says you will receive a glorified body. What does that mean? What does that look like? The Bible kind of describes it as a white uh, being in, in, in the form of your garment, in the form of what you look like. It's a sense of like, uh, almost like a robe, angelic in your presence. Um, I mean, probably there's some zoom in here and there and at the speed of light, you know what I mean? Some Marvel comic stuff involved there. Um, but the point is, is that when Jesus comes back, 1 Thessalonians teaches those that are dead in Christ will be reunited with their soul and receive a glorified body. So the declaration of death 
is a temporary separation from your body, only to be reunited at the end. So that's like the mechanics of it, scripturally speaking. And once again, all these verses and stuff will be posted if you want to go and study each one. Now, the reason we have to declare that from the Bible is because, for, for instance, there's one church, I would probably call them more of a cult than a church, uh, one form of religion, they believe in what's called annihilationism. Annihilationism is when you die, you go in the grave, and that's it. It's over. What you did during this life, however long you made it, whatever you scrapped for and stayed alive, that's what you get in this life. And everything else, if you're not really of the body of Christ, you're not going to pass on into paradise. You go in the ground, and that's it for you. Annihilationism. You're annihilated. You are to dust. You will never have life again. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that death is the front door to your eternity. Death is the front door to you spending everlasting life with God in heaven or everlasting death in hell with the person who hell was created for, the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't created for any human being. Hell was specifically created for the devil and one-third angels that fell from heaven, left their first estate, right? So we have to understand death because death is that door that takes us to the eternal. That passes us from what we know of as life to what begins as eternal life. So, while we're still living on earth, while eternity has not begun, if you will, because the end time prophecies have not been fulfilled, we are living, and those that are dead are living with their soul in heaven or their soul in where? Hell. Make sense? Uh, you got to break that down in Scripture, and it's pretty uh, self-explanatory for the most part. Now, how we view death, the how, the connection, that's our declaration of what death is and how the mechanics work according to Scripture, right? So when you meet people at work or in your job or family and they say, well, you know, after death, that's it, you can with confidence look at them and say, you know, I love you, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Death is only the beginning. And then they're, obviously, they're, that's going to be a shift in what they think a shift in how they're operating their life. And that's why we operate differently as Christians because we don't believe that death is the end. But I think that some of us, unfortunately, have not moved past that idea. If the devil can trap you to thinking that death is it and that life as you know it is as good as it's ever going to be, then you're going to be walking scared, walking dead, (laughs) the rest of your life. You're going to be in that moment where you're just fearing that one time that's going to happen, that's going to end it all, but then I'll figure out what's going to happen on the other side. But then we'll see what happens in heaven. No, God didn't leave you in the dark. He gave us the Bible to explain death so that we can know what eternal life is, so that we have something to look forward to, not to be avoiding something in preparation for. Does that make sense? It's a mindset thing. So here's the connection. Let me roll through this because I really want to get to uh, the application. This is a lot of uh, kind of a weighty topic. So when I make this connection, I know for some of you it's going to be a first. I know it's going to be a, man, I've never looked at it that way. So brace yourself. And, and it's going to be, Paul uses specific illustrations. And I think it's going to make sense to you. Don't get hung up on the illustrations that Paul is about to use when I read Romans. 
But understand the implications. Think about what Paul is implying as it pertains to death. Okay? Romans 6.20. I'm sorry. Not yet. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I had to scroll. Uh, Here's the connection on the how. Death is appointed. Here's where I can take all of your anxiety. The Bible says, cast your anxiousness, your anxiety on him, for he, what? Cares for you. God cares for you. God loves you. So here's where, here, here's where you should be able to take your fear of death and sideline that, sidebar that. Put it on the sidelines. Don't let it be active in your life because it will consume you. So here, here's the truths that I think are the most practical for you as a Christian. Here it is. Death is appointed. This is a time that God is in complete control of. How do you know that, Pastor Matt? Hebrews 9.27. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die. But after this, the judgment. Church, listen to me. God is in complete control. It's appointed. What does that mean? It is a date on God's calendar. Why do we pray then? Because death is not the end. Why do we act with, with uh, uh, expediency as it pertains to the gospel if we're just going to die anyway? Because death is a vehicle to get you to eternal life. And I'll explain that. And it's appointed once for you to die. So any religion that teaches you're not going to die, you can elevate yourself to another level of spirituality. It's not true. Your physical body, the Bible says, needs to die one time. And we're not going to live in the exception of the rapture. We're going to live in the truth of God's word that says that people die and death is appointed by God. I know that for many of you, that is a a hard concept to grasp because many of your loved ones have died. And you blame God because God was the one who what? Appointed it. So if so-and-so died and God appoints that death, then I'm going to blame you, God. And if that's the end of the story, I'm with you. Let's blame him. Let's shut this thing down and go live for whatever we can live for until that day comes. I stepped on. Sorry, crab. (laughs) Made a popping noise. Anyway, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? How many people do you know, this is so common, get hung up on the fact of death? So-and-so, I lost them. And God appointed that. According to Hebrews, it's appointed for men to die. And God's in control of that. How many of you know people who are bitter against God for that one very reason right there? Yeah, that's tough. But I'm going to walk you through that. Here's the next thing, the next connection on death. Death is not the end. It's only the beginning. What does that mean? Hebrews 9.28, the very next verse. verse. (laughs) So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear, watch this, the second time, without sin, unto salvation. Church, it's not about the first time, it's about the second time. Death is an intro in the beginning to what is a second version of the story that that takes us to a whole new level. So the Bible says it's appointed unto men and women once to die. But after this, the judgment and and Christ once uh, offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. That's what I want to be about. I want to find Christ the second time so that my death is not a death unto death. It's a death unto life. 
Here's a statement. There is a second appearance by Christ that will lead to salvation or not. Many of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard that. After I die, there could be a second death? Absolutely. Revelation 21 and 8, listen to this scripture. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This, may, this, this particular message may need to go into next week because I'm seeing everybody's looks like, huh, what? Second death. It's appointed unto men once to die, Pastor Matt, but now you're saying there's a second death? Yes. We're living our lives on this earth, and the Bible says that if we're living our lives in sin, then we will die once, and then we will die again for those sins for eternity. And that's what Revelation 21 and 8 is saying. But the fearful and unbelieving... So so here's the, the misconception. It said murderers! It said idolaters! It said... It also said liars. Don't you hate that? Because I ain't killed nobody, but I have lied before. So the point of John the Revelator is to reveal in God's final revelation that if you are in your sin, if you die once in the position of your sin, then you will die a second death that is an eternal death. We call that hell. How many of you, this is the first time you've talked or heard or learned about hell? One. Anybody else? I don't really know much about hell. It's okay. I just like to know the lay of the land. Anybody else? I'm not really familiar with a second death. Anybody else? No? Everybody else? I'm familiar, Pastor Matt, with a second death. I'm familiar with it. Okay. All right. There is a second appearance by Christ. Revelation 21 and 8. The second death. If we are found in our sin, then death, watch this, will abide forever. Now you can understand in our beings why death is painted so bad. Because if death is death in our sins, then we abide in death forever. That's what Revelation is speaking of. Second death. Second death is an eternal death. A death in the lake of fire. Can you back that up, Pastor Matt? Can you give me some more scripture for that death? Sure. Thank you for asking. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So in this English grammatical structure, when they were translating the Bible, if they're talking about if the context is eternal life, then what is the context in the beginning of the verse? For the wages of sin is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if we're abiding in sin when we die once, we abide in that death of that sin forever. Eternal death because of our sin. So now now we're getting context. Paul is framing this and he's saying that it is because of your sin that we are experiencing death. Here's the wonderful part of the story. God did not create us with that intent. Take this one, devil. When Adam and Eve were created without belly buttons in the Garden of Eden... Just trying to loosen you up. You're like, the topic of death is weighty on a Sunday morning. You poor folks. I'm telling you, I'm getting to the good stuff, but you got to make it through the, the, uh, the thinking things before we get to the fun things. The point is, is that Adam and Eve were created in the garden perfect with no belly buttons. I have a sunken belly button, and because I've gotten fat, you can see that. Can everybody see that? This shirt, I refuse to buy the next size up, Jim. I'm not doing it. I'm going to lose weight. Jose, 
Jose is on my tail. How many days did I dodge you this week? Two? Two. I'm going to be better this week. <laughs> Jose's like, where are you at? I'm like, I-, I have family in town. I'm so sorry, bro. <laughs> uh, but he's on me. Why? Because I don't want to buy the next size up. So you can see right now I have a sunken belly button, okay? Uh, that's because I had a mommy and a daddy. But Adam and Eve didn't have a mommy and daddy, so there were no belly buttons. And they were created. He lived 900, I believe, 86 years old. 986 years old. Why? Because Adam was created to live for eternity. We are eternal beings. There was no point of death for us. Hebrews, sorry, crap. Hebrews is explaining death because of our sin. For the wages of sin is what? So when Adam chose to sin, when Adam said, I don't want to be separated from my wife, and he took of the fruit, what did he choose at that moment? He chose death. He chose an end to the temporal life. Why would Adam choose that? Because Adam walked with God. Adam knew the rest of the story. Adam knew that Jesus loved him so much. Adam knew that he had a God that was an eternal God. And if it was up to God, he would figure out a way to save man and and give man eternal life again. So therefore, Adam chose, sinned, death. Therefore, your sins that were given to you, Romans 5, 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned, Romans 5, 12. So we are experiencing death because of our sin. Now, don't get hung up on that in the sense that when someone dies, man, they must have been, they must have been living wrong. It's not that type of, it's not that type of sin. Death is from an imperial sin, a governing law that is within all of us that was passed down from Adam. So therefore, you could live what I see, Josh, as a moral life. No murder, you don't lie, you're, you're honest, but you're still, you still have a disease within you that was passed down from your father, Adam, the first man, that sin, and that sin was imputed to you, and if you die in that sin, you're going to burn in hell no matter how good you live, personally you. Why? Because sin was given to you. It was imputed unto you from Adam, our great, 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 great grandfather's decision to eat of the fruit. Make sense? Kind of confusing? Maybe a little? This is death. It was a choice from sin. It's appointed, but it's not the end. Eternal life gives the implication of eternal death. Now, here's the transition that Paul makes. We're doing okay on time, but I, I, I don't want, when I move into this uh, illustration that Paul gives, you can't uh, disengage. You've got to be in, into this story. You've got to be into this scripture to understand it. Romans 7, 1 through 5. Take your Bibles, go to Romans 7, 1 through 5. All the other ones I've quoted for sake of background, but you have to see this text. Romans 7, 1 through 5. Paul uses a really good illustration here to explain the importance of death. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. When I, when I said to you about Josh, he was given a sin nature. That's what Paul's talking about. There's a law that ruleth over you. And that law states that you have sin. And you're going to be judged for it. That's the law that he's talking about. But Paul is going to get specifically into an illustration that pertained to the Jewish people. Those that knew the law. 
those, those that were given the commandments of God by Moses, right? For to live a certain way. So look at it. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he what? Liveth. But if the husband be what? She is what? Loosed. Follow this illustration. We'll all understand it. She is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be, she is free from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, he changes gears. Wherefore, my brethren, look at what I'm about to say about this is what Paul is saying. Ye also are become what? To the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. Who are we to be married to? Even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto who? God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of? Which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto Paul uses the illustration of a husband and wife. And he says that if you're married, you can't marry someone else unless your husband what? Dies. If he dies, sorry, if he dies, then the law looses that woman from her husband so that she can marry someone else because of that death. But without death, she is therefore married to who? Her husband. That's what the law states. The law is what condemns us. The Ten Commandments. That is what condemns us. Why did God give the Ten Commandments? Why did God give a commandment at all? He gave a commandment to show us that we could not keep the commandments. That we were imperfect. That's why Ephesians 2.8.9 is in the book. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of, not of works lest any man should boast. The point is, In our relationship to our sin, as long as we are living in the relationship of our sin, we cannot be married to a relationship of life in Jesus. Someone had to what? Die. Death had to take place in this relationship. Adam chose to sin. And death began among all. But you see... The temporal death is only an illustration of the larger eternal death that had to be paid. Stay with me. Romans 7, go down to verse 9. This is some deep theology right here. (laughs) Go down to verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And I died. Verse 25, verse 24, look at verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul is saying, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? The body of death that was given to him from Adam. Look at verse uh, 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul alludes to another law, the law of God that we can serve with our mind. 
that we can be renewed by in order to not suffer the death of our sin. What is this? Romans 8.1. Go down. There is therefore now no, what is it? Condemnation. There is, goodness, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, there's a law of Christ that makes you free from the law of sin and of death. Verses 3, Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do, for what, we could say it this way, for what the Ten Commandments could not do, thou shalt not cheat, steal, serve no other gods, that couldn't do anything in your members. All the law, all the Ten Commandment does is tell you that you can't live up to it. Is tell you that you'll always sin, that you'll always struggle. So what Paul is saying, what the law could not do, verse 3, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why did Jesus come as a man? Why did Jesus come in the flesh? Why was He born of a virgin? Because He condemned sin in the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, verse 5. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm after life and peace. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Here's where Paul's attitude shifts and we see it. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'm about to make all this make sense. I hope. If you are in sin, you will experience death to its fullest. That's what that means. If you are in bondage to the law of sin and of death, if you live your life in sin, in sin, I'm not saying you try to not sin or you try to do good. The law condemns you. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What am I saying, church? I'm saying that we all are guilty of the law of sin and none of us can beat it on our own. In your life, in your temporal body, the way you are youngsters to the oldsters, if you are trying to beat your sin on your own, you're dead in the water. You're living in the ocean of sin, and you don't know how to swim. And if you are without Christ, and you are in the body of sin and of death, which is all of us, none of us are better than the other. We're all, no matter what sin you have chosen, no matter what your poison is that you picked, some want to blame homosexuality, and some want to say that that's greater than the other. It ain't! We're all, it's an even playing field. It doesn't matter what your sin is of choice. It's a sin nonetheless. If you're a liar and a cheat and a thief and you do it outwardly, you're just as guilty as the one who does it inwardly. Jesus told him that. If you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in what? Your heart. The law of sin and of death abides. Now, the consequences may be different. 
One may get locked up in jail because he did it outwardly, but the other one is locked inside. And he is living in his own sin, and he's living in his filth and his wretchedness, and that's all of us. Does that make sense? The law of sin and of death tells us all that we're all sinners. But, (laughs) but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you are in Jesus, then the law of sin and of death has been broken to its fullest. If you're in sin, then you will die in your sin and pay the penalty to its fullest. But if you are in Jesus, then the law of sin and of death that is over your head has been broken to the fullest. Now the illustration that we read about marriage. Steve, can you marry me today? I want to use you as the illustration. Come on. Me and you. This is my wife. (laughs) So, here's the thing. If we run into marital distress, we, everything was going smooth, you know what I mean? Me and him, how do you say it? You know what I mean? Is that Mm -hmm. how you say it? You know what I mean? I ain't saying that. Everything everything was going good, man. It was all, uh, what do you call it? Roses and, anyway. But something happens and, and we have conflict. 70 some percent of all marriages, right, in America, in America that end in divorce, right? We have conflict, so therefore, I'm going to separate from you. And I'm going to go marry someone else. I need a new wife. Come here. No, 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 no. You ain't going nowhere. I'm going to separate from my old wife and I'm going to marry a new one. The Bible says that I'm a what? Adulterer. Because I'm still technically married to who? My main man, Steve, over there. Adam and Steve. (laughs) Just kidding. It's terrible. I just got to loosen you up a little bit. So so if I'm over here married to Joe, and I should be married to Steve, I'm an adulterer. My name is Mathena, not Matthew today. I'm I'm a girl. (laughs) Mathena can't marry Joe because I'm married to Steve. So God said, if you leave Steve without Steve dying, so therefore I'll just kill you and we'll be good. No, no, no. That's not the point. The point is, is if his health deteriorates and he dies, now you can sit down, he dies, he's out of the picture. Now I'm not married to him anymore in this life. Therefore, if I find, if Mathena finds Joe, I can be married to Joe and I'm not an adulterer. Watch this. Watch this. I'm in a relationship, Paul says, with my sin. I'm married to my sin. It was passed down to me from every generation from Adam, the first one who sinned. I'm married to it. The law of sin. The law says a man and a wife are married until death part them. The law also says that if you're a sinner, that you are married to death. For the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that we are condemned in our sin. I was married when I was born to a sin nature that I cannot be loose from unless death enters into the picture. I'm with you and you're with me until I die. I'm married to that. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon 
An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Sing it. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because let me give you some theology this morning. When I was born, I was married to sin. I was married to death. For the wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus came perfect. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he would have been born with the same law of sin that was imputed to me. But God, through the Holy Spirit, birthed the Son of God, Jesus, from on high to earth. And now he had an opportunity. He was the second Adam. No sin in him. He who knew no sin. Be became sin for us. What does that mean? It means according to the law. I can't be remarried if my spouse still lives. I'm with my sin. So Jesus gloriously took my partner of sin upon Himself and died on the cross. Now there is death. And because there is death, I can be married to what? Someone else. I'm no longer in bondage to my sin. I can seek another partner. And what does Paul say in Romans chapter 7? He said it. Oh my goodness, he said it right here. Though she be married to another man, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Church, he died so that I could be married to life. Eternal life. Eternal life. Even him who God raised from the dead. Without death, I'm still in my relationship to sin. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Church, death was needed. We fear the very thing that cleared the path to salvation. See, the problem with the doctrine of death is we're so hung up on our temporal death that was given to us because of our sin. And Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in should not perish eternally. That's what that means. But have everlasting... Church, why are we living in bondage to an idea that Jesus took care of 2,000 years ago? If it's appointed unto men once to die, we should be worried about the after party. Everlasting life. Man, it's so, it's such a, it's so the devil to get us so focused on what I can accomplish in my 70 years. Retirement. Oh my goodness, it's coming. I can't believe, I'm 31 years old. Holy smokes. Man, I still think I'm 12 inside. (laughs) Sorry. Life is just, wouldn't it be a great lie if the devil could just convince us all to be scared of death, you don't want to die because once you die, there's no more houses. There's no more cars. There's no more children. There's no more family. There's no more relationships. 
I'm so scared of death. Does this sound like somebody who was scared of death? Paul says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's my statement. Here's your tweetable quote for the day. It's not about your death. It's about his death that leads to your eternal life. That's the crux of the message. It's not about your death. It's about his death that leads to your eternal life. If we truly believed as Christians that we had, look at the time, if we truly believed as Christians that we had everlasting life waiting for us, we wouldn't fear death. We wouldn't raise our children to fear death. Here's my context for it as I've thought about my children. I thought, I have to teach my children to be careful because there are things that God wants them to accomplish. Make sense? Don't be careless. <laughs> this means, let's go. Bungee jumping without the bungee. You in? Come on. One last good fall and then eternal life. Pastor Matt said death is the gateway to eternal life. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, is that our three score in ten determines our eternity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me just bring some weight to you real quick. What you do, the decisions you make now, affect the rest of your life, truly. We shouldn't be teaching our kids. This This is called raising your children in a gospel mindset. We shouldn't be teaching our children, be careful what decisions you make now, because that's going to determine who you marry. That's great. What about this? Son, daughter, every decision that you make led to death. Every decision that we would make as human beings, we were in sin. We deserve hell. But because of Jesus, he died for us. He paid that penalty. It's appointed unto men once to die. We knew it had to happen because of sin. And he came and did that for us. Son, daughter, if you just put your faith and your trust in what Jesus did in his death on the cross, then he'll take care of your life. He'll take care of the rest. He'll help you with your marriage. He'll help you raising your children. He'll help you with your decisions and your job. And he'll give you the path that he wants you to take. That's why Paul said, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ, what? Liveth in me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, it's time we lived Christ. Stop worrying about your death and start living in his. We put tattoos of the cross. We wear, uh, uh, what do you call those things? Necklaces of a cross. We wear earrings of the cross. What does that represent? What does the cross represent? Help me. Death. If we truly live in the cross, if we truly live in the cross, we won't be living worried about our death. Because he took care of that a long time ago. I hope this makes sense. Vice versa. So is the Christian 
that is still living with their old partner, the partner of sin? Why would we stay married in an abusive sin relationship when Jesus killed that for us so that we could live in life eternal now? That's why it doesn't make sense to live in sin. How many of you... What's up, buddy? How many of you would think it would be really weird if somebody crawled into the grave with their dead spouse and tried to have a a date? They tried to have a date night with their dead spouse. Oh, strange. Oh, that sounds a little weird. Really? I see Christians do it all the time. Jesus killed the spouse of sin. And we go running back to it every time. You're having a date night with sin. (laughs) You're living in sin. Paul said that you're living in a dead relationship. It sounds so weird. Really strange. None of us would do that. Nobody would go to the graveyard to have a date. I'm going to go have a date with someone that's alive. Huh. So why are we living in sin? And vice versa. Why would a religion say that you could live to work your way to something that he already paid for? Now there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed.